Well, welcome back to the Gambone Law Podcast. My name is Alfonso Gambone, and frequently on our podcast, we bring in members of the bar, other attorneys who practice in different areas outside of the criminal defense world. Today, I am happy to bring on a person who's not a lawyer, he's a member of the media. Uh, Shay Roddy is a member of the Cape May County Herald. He's a reporter. He covers court, court cases in Cape May County. And I want to talk to him today about some cases he's covered, his experience in the media, and some of the challenges he has uh, in his job, in his position. So, Shay, welcome. Thanks for having me. Shay, I just want to get into kind of your background, uh, where you're from. Uh, what you did prior to becoming a reporter. So why don't, why don't we start there? Um, I'm from Delaware County, Pennsylvania, originally. Grew up about 20 minutes outside Philadelphia. Um, I went to high school at Friends Central, which is on City Line Avenue, not far from St. Joe's. And then from there, I went to uh, the Walter Cronkite School at Arizona State. I studied journalism out in the desert. Um, and uh, I don't know why, but for some reason decided uh, to move back to the cold winters like we're having now um, and, and return home after school. So uh, I've been with the Herald for, I guess, about three years now. Um, and I've done some other sports related stuff in the Philly market, but uh, for this paper, three years. So this was your first job out of out of college? First real job, I guess you would say. Yeah. Well, okay. All right, so you're in Cape May County. Now, Cape May County, um, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers um, what towns and municipalities are within Cape May County? Well, Cape May County is the South Jersey Shore. So um, I think most people in our area would be familiar with it. Uh, it's obviously a really unique market because of the seasonality. Um, but the population swells in the summer months. Uh, most of the business here is related to tourism um, and the beaches. And then in the winter, it's uh, a lot quieter, um, but still a lot going on from a reporter's perspective, uh, because the winter is really when most of the important preparation and decisions that impact uh, what happens in the summer are made. So now what type of cases do you cover? Well, I do a little bit of everything. Court is um, one of the things I cover, but it's part of the challenge of being at a small you know, community newspaper like the Herald, and we're lucky to have it here in this market. Um, but I'll do a little bit of everything. I'll do school boards. I'll do uh, development projects. Uh, I do criminal court. Um, yesterday, I spent a long day in uh, civil court where the DEP uh, is involved with litigation against North Wildwood related to the beach replenishment there. So uh, that was in the Chancery Division, my first time ever being in the Chancery Division. I'm sure you could tell me uh, a lot more about that than what I already know. But uh, we do a little bit of everything and that's a challenge, but it also keeps it fresh every day. Uh, it's something different. Um, you learn a lot cause you're exposed to a ton of different things. And, uh, that's, uh, you know, pretty much the extent of it, but criminal court, I think people have a particular interest in, um, obviously people want to know what's going on with crime in their area. But, uh, on top of that, you see now just generally with these, uh, you know, Netflix series and the true crime uh, that's really kind of taken off, um, you know, in all sorts of markets and nationally, especially, uh, there's a real fascination for crime reporting right now. So now in the case of, say, sports reporting, obviously there's a team to follow, there's there's a, a league to follow. But in the case of, let's just call it 
I hate to use the words real world and not real world because sports is real world, but I guess <laughs> real world in the sense of like it's the fun and games department. Yes, exactly. It's the fun and games department. So in the sense of covering, let's just get into crime court stories focused on criminal on the criminal area. How do you find these stories? Are these assigned to you or do you hang out at the courthouse or do you have a contact? And again, if you have a contact, you don't obviously have to reveal any anything. I mean, I won't get into that, but I mean, how do reporters who don't cover, I guess, the fun and games portion of the of the media get those? I mean, I mean how does that happen? Well, I think one of the things that works to your benefit uh, that's different from sports is you can utilize public records. Um, and that's one of the first places we start. Um, we'll find out who's been arrested. Uh, either a name might stand out to you because, uh, you know, they're a person of prominence for whatever reason, or uh, the type of crime might stand out to you. And then from there, uh, it's like you said, you, you establish contacts and uh, you talk to those people and you find out what's going on. But you really do use public records to your benefit as much as you can. Um, you know, for instance, if you get a case that just the charges look interesting, you can get a copy of the uh, the complaint. You can get a copy of the affidavit of probable cause, and that'll give you a little bit more detail um, about the case. And you can use that to sort of not only aid in your reporting, but aid in uh, the decision-making process uh, when you're trying to determine, is this a story uh, that's going to have broad interest? So in terms of, and again, this is maybe a, a um, just a, a general question, but at a paper like yours, are reporters assigned topics or they assigned areas and say, hey, go out and find something? Or is the situation where, I don't know, you're, I guess your supervising editor or somebody says, here, Shay, we want you to cover this story or find out more about this. I mean, how does that happen? Is that, I mean, I guess, and as you get more senior, do you kind of get to pick what you want to do or how does it work? Uh, yeah, a little bit of all of those things. Um, we have reporters who are assigned to specific geographic areas, like certain towns, um, mm -hmm. and they're kind of the primary focus point for what comes out of that town. Um, I have done some of that over the years now. Uh, I'm lucky where I can kind of float around the different towns and uh, pick different stories that are of interest to me and that uh, I feel maybe deserve a little bit more depth in the reporting. Um, so I, I think that part of it's interesting. But uh, it's all a negotiation. Uh, sometimes the editor will come to you and say, hey, uh, here's something that we need you to do. Um, and then you do it. But other times you'll go to them and you'll say, hey, here's something that is interesting. And if you're able to articulate the reasons why you think it would have a broad interest, uh, I don't find there's a lot of resistance. Um, usually it's a, a pretty good working relationship we have with the editors here. So in terms of cases now, now, obviously there are cases where you know, people want to be in the news. Like, you know, they 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 rescue the cat from the tree or do something like that. But then there's cases like the world that I deal with where people don't really want to be in the news. Uh, right. My clients, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've been arrested or charged with a crime, you don't want to see your name in the paper. So now when a reporter comes in and I mean, talk about the challenges that you have as a reporter you know, how, I mean, what type of challenges do you have in, say, a criminal case where a person's been charged? And let's say it's a person of prominence who's been charged, not necessarily with the most serious thing, but something like a DWI, which happens, you know, quite often. We have politicians or sports stars who get into trouble in various parts of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So, 
I mean, when that happens, but it's a person who is, say, a somebody, uh, what type of challenges do you have? Well, I think it's the same challenge you have with any other case. I think the thing that makes it different is maybe you're covering that case because of who the person is, not necessarily uh, because of what the crime they're accused of committing is. Uh, but obviously you're going to have people who aren't happy that their name's in the paper uh, when it's related to something negative they're accused of doing. But uh, you do have to rationalize it and say these people, and especially politicians, they signed up to be uh, in the public eye. They signed up to be a public official. And uh, they're the first one out there cutting the ribbon when uh, something is going well. So I think that uh, because they're you know public servants, I, I guess you would say, uh, there is a higher level of accountability. And part of news is what makes people, what interests people. I mean, that's our job is to bring people uh, stuff that is interesting to them in the most fair and factual way possible. So when you have somebody who's like a sports star, uh, they didn't necessarily sign up to be um, a public official, but they're taking the millions of dollars. They're, uh, they did sign up for it in a, in a certain way. So um, I think all of those things you have to consider. So now, when a person's been charged with a crime, and let's just say it's John Q. Average, or even the public official who is in the news, is a typical practice for a reporter to try to do his or her best to actually make contact with the accused person? Or, I mean, typically, are you just trying to get in touch with their lawyer or someone close to them? I mean, what is the standard? Again, maybe there is no standard operating procedure, but in most situations when a person is being accused of a crime, do reporters like yourself try their best to make contact with the person who's been charged or do you try to do it another way? I think it depends. Um, there's a case that I'm covering right now that's in the, the Cape May County court and it involves the current mayor, um, one of the city commissioners and also the former mayor in Wildwood and they're accused of uh, taking health benefits that they weren't entitled to. In a case like that, I have relationships with those guys um, You know, from other reporting that I've done outside of the courts and so you do reach out to them, you do talk to them and they're out uh, in the public while uh, this case is proceeding. So um, I, I think from a reporter's perspective, you always want to try to get the defendant's point of view. But I think if you have a good defense lawyer uh, like yourself, you're probably telling them, shut up, because you're not going to do yourself any favors um, by talking. And uh, to a certain degree, I'm sensitive to that, too. I, I mean, I can see what you mean by that. I, I always advise, I mean, no offense to what you do, but I would advise a client not to make any statements in the in the public to or to a reporter, only because it becomes an admission that's admissible in court and potentially it could make the case worse. It very rarely makes the case better. Uh, if if anything, you're just giving the prosecution a better opportunity to take another shot at you through something you said, and especially if it ends up in the paper or, or on social media. But now, when you don't have an opportunity because they don't want to make a statement to you, in terms of reaching out to the person's attorney, um, is that typically done as well? Yeah, I mean, I always do that. I think some attorneys are more forthcoming than others. But uh, one of the tricky things that you have to deal with is uh, you do need to be mindful of the presumption of innocence. And I'm always dealing with uh, people's reputation in any story that I do. I'm publishing information about somebody and I take that part of the job seriously. So um, one of the, the things that handicaps us a little bit is 
most lawyers tell their clients don't talk. Most lawyers are limited in what they say. Some, like I said, are better than others. And I think as a lawyer, you can do your client a ton of good by talking to a reporter um, that won't hurt them. Uh, but in court, you know, if you're smart about what you say and the public perception does matter, I get when, you know, the exposure gets greater and you're looking at prison time or whatever, uh, really that's the bottom line. That's what you have to be most mindful of, uh, more so than the public perception. But I think there's a balancing act. And I think a lot of that burden falls on the defense lawyer to, uh, you know, come out and defend their client, not only in court, but also, uh, in the court of public opinion. And like I was you know, talking about before with records, the records we get are almost always from the prosecution side. So uh, you don't really get a whole lot of flavor for um, what the alternative theories of the case might be. And um, that's difficult when you're trying to maintain the fact that a person's innocent until uh, either they plea or a jury convicts them. Well, I think one of the challenges, at least in the defense side, speaking to a reporter, well, there's, there's a couple of challenges. Number one, you don't ever want to make a case worse for your client. So the, you have to be mindful of who's going to be reading the information. And you understand that, number one, you don't ever want to say anything that's going to potentially get back to a judge or make it look like you're attacking the judge when there's an active case before him or her. And number two, you don't want to put in a position where you're revealing, if you do intend to go to trial, potential strategies. Whereas the prosecution has the burden to establish guilt beyond reasonable doubt. With regards to the defense, we want to establish reasonable doubt. And sometimes I can just know from past experience, I remember looking back, one of the first cases I had in, in the media was in Philadelphia. I was court appointed to a serial rapist case. And I remember there was an old reporter in Philadelphia by the name of Tony Hansen, who's, I think he's been retired at least 10 years. And I remember I was leaving the courtroom and he, he asked me a question and I, I gave a response and I'm driving home that night and on the radio is Tony Hansen saying, and according to defense lawyer Alfonso Gambone, and then they put my voice in the, you know, I, I basically, whatever I said, I guess he had a record, he had a, a, a dictaphone and it came and I, not, not, now in that situation, it was nothing, nothing that hurt my case, but long story short, the case wound up going to a hung jury and um, it, it, it was a hung jury. And so for, it was a couple of days where I was in the paper a few, a few different times, but I always remember driving back home in my car and I'm like, oh my God, I just heard myself on the radio the quote that I said out of court. And that was the first time I said, you better watch what you say. Because, you know, had, had I said something else, it would have been broadcast to, you know, how many thousands of people. Were and it was like the 5 p.m., you know, drive home. So it wasn't like uh, there was no one listening at 2 o'clock in the morning. So right. I guess that, that's the concern that we have. And you're never in control over how that information gets disseminated. I mean, part of the process is trust and establishing relationships. And I think that works both ways. Um, as a reporter, you want to, uh, have people that you trust are going to give you the information right down the middle and as fair uh, as they can without bias. And obviously, if you're talking to a defense lawyer that's in on a particular case, you're going to understand they have, uh, obviously, their client's interest in mind. But um, you as a lawyer, or really as any source for the media, uh, you have to be mindful of who you're talking to on the media side. Because like in any profession, some people are better than others. Some people are more fair than others. And uh, 
there's really very few forums, be it TV or radio or uh, print in the newspaper that put out your words exactly as you say them. There's always some level of editing, uh, chopping stuff up um, to make it more palatable for an audience. And uh, I'm sure as you know, someone on the other side of that, the source side, um, sometimes you might be frustrated about uh, how your words were used um, and perhaps taken out of context. So now I want to ask you, on average, I mean, how many stories are you working on at one time? Um, that's a tough question to answer. Uh, okay. You've always you've always got things that you're batting around. Sometimes you have one that you're like, you get it that morning and you're finished with it by that night. Uh, but then, you know, with court, you know how it is. These things just drag on and on. So you might have one case that, you know, it's not on for another month and then it's on for a month and nothing happens at the hearing and then it's on for six weeks from then and they just drag on and on. So, I mean, realistically, you're dealing with a ton of stories at the same time, but you're not necessarily paying attention to each one every day. So now in terms of court cases, say a criminal case, uh, are you kind of, when you're covering a story, are you sitting through the whole trial or are you trying to determine when the best time to actually observe is, or like, what is your, I mean, I, I guess it changes, but I mean, what do you try to do there with a court case? Well, you try to use your time um, in the most valuable way you can. So if you talk to lawyers and uh, they tell you before the hearing, listen, this is just a status conference. It's gonna be a nothing hearing. Um, mm -hmm. Don't waste your time and you can trust that person, then great. But, uh, you know, sometimes, a lot of the details that people are really interested in and the important details come out in the courtroom. So you don't want to risk not being there uh, for that. Well, I remember in the second case that, that I had covered by the media, it was in Norristown, Pennsylvania, and it was a homicide case. I remember, um, you know, it, it was my first homicide case ever defending. And uh, there, was, there was the media in, in the courtroom, but the courtroom was absolutely packed. I mean, it was no room to even sit down in the courtroom, and it was just packed on opening statements. I remember before I gave my opening statement, I said, I said to myself, whatever you're going to say, just just go with it and just you know be prepared. But just know, I said to myself, just know whatever you're about to utter is going to be in the paper everywhere the next day in Lawrestown. And, and it did. I mean, it made it in there. And actually, one of the reporters that I met, Jenny DeHuff, uh, who, who's still a reporter, we uh, stayed friends and uh, she was great. And I, but I remember um, she was, I was, uh, the trial was, was a six day trial. And I remember the first two days I, I was doing real well. And then the last uh, four days it kind of went south. Uh, but I think we did about 40 witnesses over the course of six days. And I remember there was times where I was just sitting there by myself and just kind of like Jenny could tell that I wasn't doing well, but uh, she was good about it. Uh, but it's, um, so in terms of how you divide up your time, your typical day, does that change just, I guess, based on what you're covering? Yeah, really every day is different. Um, the phone is a valuable tool that you can use no matter where you are uh, to try to talk to people. And I really believe uh, people give you the best information. Um, mm -hmm. So you talk to as many people as you can and try to get a sense for what's going on and be fair about it. Um, but it's interesting you brought that up. Cause let me ask you as a defense lawyer, I think I see judges do this sometimes. I see lawyers do it. But tell me if uh, if I'm perceiving this accurately in your mind. When a lawyer knows or a judge knows that the media is covering the case, is what they say in court sometimes different um, to tailor it to uh, what will be disseminated publicly? 
sometimes I wonder if they're explaining things more thoroughly or if they're kind of not getting after the the legal arguments as directly as they might if there wasn't uh, media coverage. Is that true? This is just me, but I will tell you that in the cases that I've had being covered by the media, I've done my best to block out everybody in that courtroom except my case, my client, and the prosecution. So I, I'm not going to change my argument based on who's covering the case, only because I know what I need to, I mean, before I do any case, I'm going to have a strategy as far as what I'm going to do at a trial. And I think one of the best tools that we have is surprise, right? So if I can catch the prosecution off guard and I can put a, I, I can put a thought in the jury's head, I think that when it comes to a trial, 90% of cases are won with the opening statement. I think if you come out strong and you come out really strong and, and then you can just kind of maintain that level of maintain that theme that you put out in that opening statement with the, with the prosecution witnesses the prosecution is going to have a tough time um getting a conviction and i think that i try to focus in on that and i think that one of the things i like to focus in on in my closing statements is is the issue of this isn't my burden it's the prosecution's burden go beyond a reasonable doubt and ladies and gentlemen the jury there are questions about this case and if you have questions questions mean you have reasonable doubt if you have reasonable doubt you must find my client not guilty and again i try to put it that way and um i think i try to make that argument regardless of 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 who's listening because and this isn't any disrespect to reporters but i'm concerned about who's sitting in the jury box right. i'm not really concerned about anybody else so i i will focus in on a juror and I have a pretty good understanding of if I'm, I'm gonna get a not guilty or a guilty before they even come back. Like I can see it, I can feel it. I know, I mean, now I've been wrong a couple times, but for the most part, when I thought that my client was gonna be convicted, they were, and, and I knew it just the minute the case was over without even hearing it. So I guess I, and even when we pick a jury, when, once they're seated, I'm looking at them all, I'll try to identify one or two people. You, you focus on those people, and, and if you can get those two people, you know, you're in a good, you're in a good spot. Um, but let me ask you a couple more questions. In terms of getting a story out, um, I mean, I always hear the word deadlines and this and that. I mean, what is the deadline? I mean, I mean what is that? I mean, like, is it, is it the same time every day, or what is it? Well, it's changed a little bit now that uh, there's so much done online. It really makes deadlines more flexible. Um, we do still put out a print paper every Wednesday. Um, mm -hmm. So we have pretty hard deadlines for that, where it's like, uh, if it's not in by Tuesday morning, it's not making it in the Wednesday paper because uh, that goes out to the printer around noon Tuesday. So with that, you got to be mindful of the deadline. Um, some of the deadlines are predicated on how much competition you have. Um, if there's another reporter in the room, you, know, you don't want them to scoop you necessarily. Uh, from my own perspective, I prefer to be able to take your time and get things right. And I think especially with Twitter and with social media and all of these tools that really do aid uh, in reporting, they also um, create a, an urgency that sometimes 
isn't really necessary. Um, and people just want to get stuff out first, but I think it's more important to get stuff out right and to make those follow-up phone calls to try to get the full perspective. Um, and I'm not a lawyer. So when I go to court, I don't always understand everything that's going on. Um, and you want to make sure that you're understanding what happened in court. So part of that is talking to uh, not only lawyers who are in on the case, but also lawyers who are just uh, experts in that area of the law and who can maybe either tell you off the record or um, in an interview, hey, here's here's the legal uh, principles that you need to be aware of. Here's uh, procedurally what's going to happen next. Um, all of those things are useful background to get, and you got to go at it in a variety of ways. Well, I, I think one of the big things now, and again, I'm not a member of the media, but I guess, you know, just... Well, a little bit. You got the podcast, you, right. YouTube. I mean, you, yeah. you're bridging the gap. I, I hear you. You're uh, more of a media guy of, than I am a lawyer. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Well, in terms of papers, though, I mean, to me, it seems like nowadays there isn't really a local paper, because if you if you want to learn about a news story, you know, now you Google it and... For instance, you Google a person's name and you might see stories in various different papers. Where in the where in the past, if you were a local paper, there was just a print it was just a print paper and that was unless you lived in within like Cape May County, for instance, you would you would never see a story in the Cape May uh, County Herald, right? I mean that's right. now it seems like with the internet, everything goes everywhere. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and your story can get picked up uh nationwide or, or worldwide, if it's something that is of particular interest. I mean, you look at, I, I just think that local news is important. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm biased. I'm a reporter. But I really do think it's uh, important to the foundation of our country. And uh, you look at something um, like uh, the guy who's in the, um, the congressman from New York. I'm blanking on his name right now. But there was a, oh, a local yeah. paper. Local paper on Long Island had that story. But no one mm -hmm. was paying attention to them. And uh, it's important to pay attention to your local media. Well, sure. I mean, and again, I think that that's how a lot of stories obviously start with some local local story, and then all of a sudden it blows up uh, into national news. Let me ask you one more question. In terms of uh, national stories that have come in the Cape May County, uh, when that happens and you have reporters coming in from, let's say, all over the country, um, is it, I mean, I would assume it makes your job harder. Well, it adds competition. I haven't really had in my experience a story that's uh, gone out that wide. Um, usually we're dealing with the Atlantic City Press, sometimes the Associated Press, which does get, uh, you know, disseminated more widely. Uh, but there's not a ton of competition. Obviously, the more people who are out there reporting it, the you know, they're competing for the same eyeballs you are. But at the same time, um, it means that the story you're covering uh, has significant interest. So um, it works both ways. Yeah, I, I would imagine that just uh, in terms of, I guess, covering stories, though, if you're in an area uh, for a while and you've built up a good, repu a good reputation, if, for instance, someone like a reporter from CNN came in or Fox News, um, you could still probably get the jump on them with regards to local contacts because they wouldn't know who to talk to, right? I mean, well, you would think, but uh, certainly you, you have a little bit of an edge there. But also, some people like the bigger um, spotlight. They they won't talk to you because they know if they talk to CNN, 
their mug's going to be on uh, a lot of televisions. So especially uh, defense lawyers, uh, I find, tend to be interested in publicity because it's good for their business. So um, it can work both ways with that, too. Okay. Well, well, Shay, I just want to thank you for coming on. This has been great. Um, I know that um, when um, I have have uh, a court case, I'm always mindful of the media and who's in the courtroom. And I, I just wanted the opportunity to speak to someone like yourself to kind of get your your perspective on things. Because frequently, I mean, the, the way defense counsel and even prosecutors view cases, I know that the media has a different has a different role here. So we're, I mean, as defense counsel, we're worried about the client. Prosecution wants the conviction. They obviously have supervisors, but but you all are challenged with trying to present a story in such a way that it's not too one-sided. Am I right with that? Is that kind of, am I kind of summing it up correctly? Yeah. I mean, we always try to be fair. It's not always easy, but um, as long as you do your best to get as much information as you can and present it in a way uh, that's as down the middle as you can be, um, that's the best you can do. And it's never going to be perfect, but uh, I always take the time to make the follow-up phone call to read the extra you know, court document or whatever it is. And especially when you get into civil court, I mean, some of these things are voluminous. Um, so it takes time, but uh, you do get a better picture the more information you have available. And uh, that's the best you can do as a reporter is just get as much information as you can. So last question, and I'm going to ask because you lived in Arizona uh, for, for, I guess, four years, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Four years how out hot, there. How hot did it get there during the year? Well, I remember my freshman year uh, moving into the dorms. It was like the middle of August or the end of August, and it was 115 degrees. Uh, I had just left the Jersey Shore. I'd been sitting on the beach in Avalon like two days before, swimming in the ocean. And I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing? I made a big mistake. Uh, but then October rolls around, and you're sitting at the pool, and the leaves are falling here, and the days are getting colder. So, uh, yeah, Arizona gets hot. Everyone says it's a dry heat, and I tell them, "Well, open the oven. That's a dry heat too." I've never been to Arizona, but I remember when I was when I was in the Middle East and I was in Iraq. I remember uh, we we landed in Kuwait, and I got off the I, I got off the the plane, and they opened up the door, and I said it felt like someone was taking a hair dryer and blowing a hot air dryer in our face. I said, wow, it got hot. But in the summer, it was like about 100, 150, 120 on the ground. And then it got there, it got cold. But uh, so one more question. Uh, yeah. Who wins next week, Eagle or Eagles or Kansas City? Just uh, Is that even a question? Are you kidding not me? Not even a question. <laughs> no. Andy Reid's not going to get one over on us. Uh, and, and you know what? Truthfully, that's no, uh, not me being a homer. A little bit, it's me being a homer. I'm a huge Eagles fan. But uh, okay. I really think there's something special about this team. Um, there's something special okay. about Jalen Hurts, and I think they're going to do it. So if you want to make your first trip to Arizona, next week will be a good time to do it, see the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you know, I, I want to get out there. Uh, I won't be getting out there for the Super Bowl. I, I won't make it out there that soon, but uh, I do want to get out there and check it out. Um, it's one of the places that that I want to visit. It is hot, though, but I, I, I do want to visit. My Believe it or not, my nephew is at Arizona State. Yeah, really? Uh, he... And his girlfriend actually is going to, she's a communications major. She's at the Walter Conkright School. And um, he wow. is a biology major. Uh, but he's loving it there. So, but anyway. Good. 
Well, I wish him all the best. It was a good school uh, and a great yeah. place to live while you're going to school. Yeah. I may have to connect you guys if he asks questions. He's in his, I guess he's in his second semester there. Uh, he's okay. from Oklahoma and uh, he went to, he went to Arizona State. So, um, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's away from home for the first time. And I think he's having a pretty good time there. But anyway. It's hard um, not to. Yeah. Well, look, Shay, I want to thank you again for coming on and I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. Well, thanks again for listening to the Gambone Law Podcast. For more information on our law firm, visit GambonLaw.com or give us a call at 215-755-9000 in Pennsylvania, 856-793-7429 in New Jersey, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Have a great day. And I'll talk to you all very soon.